0: Well as that army moves downstairs I'll remind you uh, don't forget the picnic today picnic and uh, baptism to follow it's going to be a, an opportunity to to rejoice and to celebrate uh, with Melanie Anderson her commitment to follow Jesus she wants to make it public and she wants to do that for you and anyone else who is there so uh, don't forget that Lions Park we'll head over after the worship services is, is over today also some of you have been I know praying for Eileen uh, Beckler. her father had a stroke uh, last week. He had another stroke, and we received word this morning that they are going to take him off the life support system, and uh, all nine of his children are there with him. So keep Eileen in prayer, and the rest of the family, and of course Mark and Josiah and Mary, Emma, uh, those are the ones that we know best. So, Father, we pray that your peace and your presence, the certainty of your love and your goodness would be with these dear ones. God, that um, in the midst of the grief and the sadness and the loss, uh, there would be just that sense of, of wonderful peace, of, of hope. That uh, as Eileen's father passes to glory, that he is receiving that that inheritance that has been stored up for him, that has been kept, as Peter says, where it cannot perish or spoil or fade, and uh, he will be receiving that with great joy. pray that that will be a source of comfort to all that are left behind. Oh God, uh, be an ever-present source of strength and joy. I read a story from a pastor this week. He he writes this. He says, Not long ago, I read that a person my age should drink 16 glasses of water a day. (coughs) You've been there. You know where this is going. The next morning, I brought to my office a large pitcher filled with water. Throughout the day, that pitcher on my desk frequently reminded me of my need, and I'd pour another glass and drink. Overall, it was a positive experience, except for the 27 trips to the bathroom that I had to make in an eight-hour period of time. <clears throat> now, I want you to know that that story has relevance for us this morning. No, I am not going to do that, and it's not just to test out the new sewer line that has been finished for our, our construction project. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking a little bit more along the lines of of a spiritual relevance, uh, the idea of the human body, for the human body I should say, water, water is life. And for the follower of Jesus, Jesus is life. And in our summer study of John 15, as we have been looking at Jesus And his description of himself as the vine, his followers as branches, uh, and the purpose of those branches being to bear fruit for the glory of the Father. And we have specifically identified that fruit as a passion for God, as a desire to make God known to the world in which we live, because that was the passion of Jesus And if Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches that are attached to that vine, then the life that flows out of us ought to look a whole lot like the vine from which we get our life. Yes? make sense? Have you heard this before? Okay, this is slightly familiar? Oh, good. This morning I want us to uh, to zero in on... The importance of a word that Jesus uses several times in our text this morning, seven times to be exact, Uh, it's it's an important word, it is is a relational word, so let's stand and read our text this morning, listen for this word, will you? Together, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Are we stuck? We, again <laughs> if what do you think, Sherry? Should I just read? okay, we're sticking. computer problems. hang on, John fifteen here we go. <clears throat> Think you know what the word is? Okay. Good, good. Listen closely. Here we go. John, not Luke. (laughs) Luke is good. There we go. Okay. If anyone does not remain in me, that person is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given you this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples as the father has loved me so have I loved you now remain in my love if you obey my commands you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Amen to that. Go ahead and be seated. And you would expect for, for me to uh, say to you, turn to your neighbor. And uh, ask that neighbor, what does Jesus mean when he talks about remaining in him? Go ahead. See what your neighbor thinks. What does Jesus mean when he speaks of remaining in him? <clears> hmm <throat> okay let's hear what you have to think it, does, does, it, does it seem rather obvious what do you think what does your neighbor think what does it mean what's Jesus talking about when he, when he talks about remaining in him what comes to mind Bonnie had a lot of good words but Alfredo raised his hand <laughs> Senor Pinto what do you think That's an idea. You gotta be there first. It's hard to remain somewhere you haven't been. <laughs> Hold on to that thought. Good, good. Bonnie, you want to share some of your good thoughts? Okay. <laughs> okay. Close to the heart of God. Being in a place that's near him, near his heart. Remembering him. Losing ourselves in him. Jill. <clears throat> okay. Which is another translation. Same word. Mm-hmm. Good. Good, good. Excellent. Present tense verb. Do it now. Good. Anyone else? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Right, right. That, the, the dependence. Yeah. That's a word we struggle with. Dixie, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good, very good, very good. Leek. sense of, of being passive and resting, um, actively pursuing what it means to remain. The focus being in God. Yeah. Rick, comment? Okay. 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 Good, good. Very good. Not straying. Okay. Yeah. It's a, Dale? Oh, he is. <clears throat> okay. Interesting. That's probably not something that we like to think about, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl, what do you mean, Okay. Good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a significant word. That, that Jesus that uses here. You know, and it's, it's always a, it's a word that is relational in Scripture. Um, it's a word that is usually used in terms of, of a person that is in relationship to, to either another person, to a certain place, relationship to a time. You know, in reference to a place, it has the, the following meanings of, to, uh, you know, the, it's the old English word to, to tarry. To not be in a hurry. I don't have anywhere else that's more important to go to. To not depart, some of you verbalize that. Uh, to to continue to be present. So I, I enter into that, and and I'm I'm staying. I'm I'm not going. And then it also has the the more passive sense of being acted upon, uh, to be held in a place, to be kept uh, continually. It may be the most important truth in this. Text The, the idea of, of remaining. We've heard Jesus say that apart from me, you can do nothing. And of course, we've asked that question somewhat tongue-in-cheek. What part of nothing do we not understand? And, and so typically what we do is we sort of go down the, the, the theological track, which is not a bad track. It's, it's the idea that, that we find in Colossians 1, where Jesus is the Creator that everything has been made by Him and for Him, that we exist for His glory. We understand that, that we get our life and our breath physically from Jesus. Uh, we know that. We know that. We're, 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 we're counting on that. That's the theological truth. But on a practical basis, on sort of that, that day-to-day, how do I live my life, the reality is that we do all kinds of things apart from Jesus. It goes on all the time. Even churchy, religious activity kinds of things are done apart from Jesus all the time. We've, We've identified this as an issue of the heart. It is a matter of the heart emotionally speaking, psychologically speaking, Jesus gives life to our literal physical heart, that organ that that beats in our chest, but the spiritual heart, that that central place of of who we are and what we live for, that is often a different story. Which I think, at the risk of sounding harsh this morning, I think it's the reason that more and more and more people in our country are not interested. In God. They really do. We we blame a lot of things for that. But the reality is this. If God is known through his people, and that has that is how when you when you read Jesus and you read the branch and you read the vines and, and, and that's just one illustration, God has chosen to make himself known through his people primarily. That's not to say that he's still not seen and understood to a certain degree in in creation, general revelation. But if God chooses to make himself known through his people and more and more people in our country are not interested in knowing God, where does that leave us? I think it leaves us in a place where folks who are not interested in knowing God look at God's people or those who claim to be God's people and they don't see a heart that is just taken with God. They don't see a heart that is just enamored with God, that is just smitten and overwhelmed with God. They don't see God's people living their lives as if God really does exist and that He is wonderful and that He is worth knowing and that they live their lives in such a way so that others will be interested in, in knowing God. A.W. Poser, years ago, decades ago, said that if the Holy Spirit were to depart from the church in America, nothing much would change. It's an indictment. Dallas Willard refers to that as vampire Christianity. He says we want just enough of Christ's blood to save us for eternity, but we don't really want enough to really change our lives for the present, Jesus says that the point of branches is to bear fruit. That is what branches do. They don't do anything else. If they do other stuff, if they don't bear fruit, they're gotten rid of. Branches bear fruit. Now, tell me again, what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? Prayer. Bible memorization? Church attendance? Doing good deeds? What's the passion? What's the fruit? To make God know. To make God know. To show the folks who watch our lives on a daily basis that God is worthy of our worship. God is worthy of our highest attention. God is worthy of our energy. We've got to be crystal clear about this because we'll make fruit into other things and and we're going to talk in a couple of minutes about some things that I think contribute to that but the fruit is making God. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about. We've said that a person would, would not have spent much time with Jesus at all before they knew what was important to it. Jesus lived for His Father. He lived for His Father's glory. He lived so that people would would know His Father, and of course, He died so that restoration of a broken relationship was possible, so Jesus could could come into relationship with the Father that they were created for. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about and that is the fruit that Jesus tells us in this John 15 text the father is supremely interested in it. that is what is most important. so the branches that bear fruit are pruned so that they will bear it even more abundantly and those that do not they're removed from the vine they're tossed into a pile to be burned that sounds that sounds pretty serious would you not agree? And troubles us, if we're really honest. Rather than get into a theological wrestling match, which is very possible, trying to decide whether or not those branches ever really belong to Jesus in the first place. Because that's, that's where we want to go with this. That's, that's how we can explain it. Let's give attention to, to what Jesus says. There are fewer and fewer teachings these days that I remember uh, from seminary a long time ago. But there is one that will always stick. <clears throat> came from one of my theology professors. He had written a book that was called Assurance and Warning. Dr. Gerald Borchert was his name. And he was fond of reminding us as students that the scripture is full of assurances and warnings for God's people. It is. So rather than giving ourselves to figuring out how they go together, his encouragement was for us to pay attention to both of them and live with the tension that they create. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of Jesus as both assurance and warning. For those who remain in Jesus, there is abundant life and fruit that results from remaining in Jesus. When others see a passion for God in you, and to make Him known in your life, then be assured. When they don't see that, be warned. Be concerned. The tendency among some of us, I think, is we want to decide what is, what is it that, that qualifies as remaining. We want to give more specificity to the words so that that we can know what the minimum requirement is so that we, we don't somehow get bumped out. Can I just say, that's ridiculous. Let's pay attention to what Jesus says. Rather than trying to figure out the minimum, rather than trying to just make sure that we're in, which says a whole lot about what our heart really wants, let's just forget all that baloney and say... What do I do to remain in Jesus? Because he makes it sound really important. Because it is really important. That's why he said it. So so let's talk a bit about remaining in Jesus. And uh, conclude with what I think is probably some pretty simple stuff. um, But hugely important. Remaining in Jesus is not rocket science. It really isn't. Now, I have a son who for some time was interested in rocket science, that is just weird stuff. You know, when, when, when Jeremy first started into his, his PhD program, he was, he was interested in aerospace, and you know, he's downloading programs on his computer, they're just plain weird. And, you know, they were beyond the grasp, quite honestly, I think of, of most normal people. Um, you know, he, he runs these programs on his computer that rotates these images and does this 3D stuff. And, you know, it's it's study of, of wind and surface tension and lift and drag and who cares? <laughs> I mean, I care every time I get on an airplane. But up until that point, you know, it's just not normal to be interested in stuff like that. Remaining in Jesus is not rocket science. Remaining in Jesus is not technical. Remaining in Jesus, you don't have to know all kinds of bizarre stuff that the rest of humanity doesn't know. If the branches that remain in Jesus are really plugged in, then there will be fruit in their lives. If we're remaining in Jesus, then there will be fruit in our lives. Tell me again, what did we say the fruit was? Making God known. Making God known. Passion for God. You know, that that outrageous assignment that I didn't do this week either, that I gave to you last week. Ask somebody who knows you well. What's the passion of your life? That is a frightening question. Ask somebody who knows you well, what is the greatest passion of my life? And if they say to you, I just see in you someone who wants to know God more and to, to make him know and someone who loves God, yes. And if that's not what they say, then consider that a warning. And think more about what it means to remain in Jesus. Let me read a couple more sentences from the story of the pastor and his hydration experience. He said at the end, he said, Remaining hydrated, I learned from that experience that it requires intentionality. I had to stop periodically in the midst of my busyness. I had to become aware of my body's need for liquid And I had to take a few moments to drink a glass of water. I want to suggest to you that that remaining in Jesus requires being intentional. It requires being purposeful. Last week I mentioned to you that, that the analogy of the vine and the branches breaks down at points. And particularly at the point where where the person, the follower of Jesus, has a choice. You know, in, in a real life vineyard, branches don't have choices. They don't choose whether or not to be in the vine. They're branches for Pete's sake. That's where they belong. You know, so if they're a branch, they're a branch. You know, if they're something else, then they're not in the vine. But... All through Jesus' teachings, there are challenges to the followers, to the people who are are interested in Him, to those who say they want to follow after Him. There are challenges to take action. to, To choose one kind of action over another. And here Jesus gives the challenge to His followers, that active verb, It's an action that's require, that, that, is, that is required on, on the part of those who, who say they are followers of Jesus. And so, what is, what is that action? I wanna say to you that if there's a desire in your life to live for God's glory and to make him known through your words and your actions, that is a precious truth, it is a precious evidence that the Spirit of God is flowing the life of Jesus and you can sit there and say you know I don't do it perfectly but that is my desire yahoo there's life of Jesus within us within you if that is your desire but, but we've got to never forget this that we are in a spiritual battle did we not learn that in Ephesians together Every moment of every day, the forces of darkness are at work. And they want nothing more than to have the opportunity to mock God and to defame His character and to drag His name through the mud. Opportunities that are given to them by God's people as a result of not trusting, not believing, doubting His character and His goodness. It never ceases to amaze of folks that I meet who are are making no effort to remain in the vine and they wonder why their life as a follower of Jesus is marked with discouragement, disappointment. Well, why would it not be if we're making no effort to stay rooted in the vine? Tell me, what are some of the more devotional types of activities that we typically identify with people who call themselves followers of Jesus? What what are some of those activities? We read. We talk about quiet times. We talk about being with God. We pray. We go to church. We worship with others. We meditate. We memorize. Some of us did that a whole lot better when our brains used to work. What? We grow. We we do these activities to grow. Relationships. Remaining in Jesus is recognition of relationship. And these things that we talk about, sometimes we use them as the the measure. They're not the measure. They're simply an indicator that you are interested in growing in this relationship, that you are interested in being as much as it is possible to do be deeply embedded in the life of that divine. And so... Why do we read the Scriptures? To know the vine. Why do we pray? To talk to the vine. Why do we memorize? To to store the words of the vine in our lives. Does this make any sense? You know, it's, it's it's not the end. It's the means to a greater end, which is relationship, intimacy with Jesus. Jesus said, if you remain in me, and I remain in you, let me tell you, From my experience, the problem is never Jesus withdrawing from me. The problem is always the branches thinking that there's something better. And another note regarding being intentional is the plural use of the word branches. One One of the ways that we remain in the vine is to be with others that desire the same I know, you've heard me talk about Lone Ranger Christian disease that that plagues our country, so I'm not going there. Just suffice it to say that it is epidemic. And it is a sickness. Jesus never intended for his followers to do it alone, never. Peter, you're a branch. Matthew, you're a branch. John, you're a branch. He didn't say that i'm the vine you are the branches the implication is grow together produce fruit together remaining in jesus first of all requires being intentional and purposeful we're intentional and purposeful about losing weight about being good employees, about getting job reviews that are positive. We're intentional about saving for retirement. We're intentional about a lot of things. Remaining in the vine requires fervent intention. Second thing, remaining in Jesus requires that we expect pruning. This is a tough truth. But pruning means cutting. Cutting oftentimes means pain. It means the trimming back or the taking away of stuff from our lives that, that potentially takes away from the glory of God in and through our lives. Remember, that's the fruit that the, that the gardener's interested in, is that our lives are proclaiming Him, not proclaiming us, proclaiming Him. And if we remain in the vine, then we need to expect the pruning. And again, this is, this is where the analogy breaks down. When a branch is trimmed, a, a, a real branch, it, it doesn't feel pain. Does it feel pain, Gabby? I don't think it feels pain. Either. I don't think a branch feels pain. I don't know that it cries, does not feel loss. When followers of Jesus are pruned, they experience all of those things. There is pain, there is loss. There is weeping. It is hard. But if the follower of Jesus has given their attention to the first requirement, that of being intentional and purposeful to remain in Jesus, then when the pruning comes, not if, but when the pruning comes, they are in a position to receive it for what it is. The loving work of the God giving them opportunity to produce even more of the fruit that they lost. Thursday night, I spent time in the hospital with, with Caroline Thomas, Sam's mom, Melanie's grandmother. Some of you have been praying for her. You know that she was hit by a car in a tragic accident. That woman has lost the leg. She has several places in her back that are broken broken face, broken teeth. And when I went first to see her in the hospital about three weeks ago, she was just a mess laying in the hospital. Thursday night, I'm pretty convinced I spent time in the presence of an angel. You know, she has experienced more loss with one auto accident than I've ever experienced. Love for Jesus flows out of that woman. Unbelievable. I went away and thought, I need to spend more time with her. Is she sad that her life is gone? Absolutely. Is she feeling devastated that her life is radically changed? Yeah, she feels all those feelings flow out of her honestly but in the midst of it all there is such a passion and a love and commitment for christ guess what that woman has been preparing for a long time to face this pruning from her heavenly father didn't come by accident and and she sees it as that she sat right there and she said God. I know that God is in this, and I know that He has a good plan, and I know that He wants to use me for His glory. Can I hear an Amen? Gotta expect pruning. If we're gonna remain in Jesus, then that requires that we expect pruning. Rabbi Zacharias says faith is confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and in His power, so that even when His power does not serve my end, my confidence in Him remains because of who He is. I'll tell you what, Carolyn Thomas knows that. She really does. Let me say it again. Remaining in Jesus requires that we expect pruning. If somehow we think that the followers of Jesus are immune from pain and suffering in this life, we are sorely mistaken we need to go back and we need to read again what Jesus taught. Which leads to the third requirement for remaining. Verse 10 of our text, Jesus said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I, I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now again, our human minds kind of run down that trail of okay so what is it I have to obey in order to remain in his love we need to just turn that completely upside down and we need to understand that what Jesus is saying is that that if your heart belongs to me and you are rooted in my life then you will obey what I have commanded you and out of that will flow abundance and fruitfulness that others see that cannot be explained apart from the presence of God's Spirit in our lives. Remaining in Jesus the vine requires that we be intentional and purposeful about it, it requires that we expect to be pruned, and it requires that we be obedient to the commands of Jesus not the suggestions of Jesus, the commands of Jesus. This is going to be our topic for next Sunday. Praise to you. Why don't you come on up Now prepare to lead us as we respond. Can I just uh, ask you to find some time this week to read and be reminded of the words of Jesus. And of course, if you know me well, you know that my favorite place to start is Matthew 5. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. There's just, there's no other place in the Gospels where we have such a continuous, voluminous record of Jesus' teaching. If you haven't read that in a while, go back. Spend some time in this reading. It's radical. It's insane. It makes no sense at all from a worldly perspective. It is thought-provoking, and it is risky as heck. And it's not a list of suggestions.